Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of the country's leading experts on fruit growing. So if you're looking to grow fruit, either in the soil or containers, stay tuned for what Mr Will Sibley has to say. My thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast. We invariably start our podcast each week with a reference to the weather, the weather is just everything as far as gardeners are concerned. And over on the uh, eastern side of the country, boy, I like summer rain. Uh, it doesn't half make things grow. And I've never seen a summer like it. Well, when I say never, I think back in the uh, late 1960s, there was one summer when we never cut flowers for uh, flower shows without them being wet. Uh, and it's been a bit like that uh, this July and early August. But the growth, you've seen pictures in the paper of uh, my apricot tree where I picked, I think, 50 pounds of apricots, tremendous crop. And, and then we went into plums. There must be half a underweight of plums on one tree I've got in the garden. And the pear tree, that's a bit of a catastrophe, actually. It's got such a heavy crop that it's fallen over. The stake just wasn't strong enough to hold it. And I'm going to have quite a job pulling that back upright and putting three stakes to hold it in place, I think. And I've got to do the Bramley apple tree the same. That will need staking. The fruit is just dripping off. I've never seen crops like it. Don't forget, those of you that live in East Anglia, that it's the Hyde Hall, the RHS's Hyde Hall flower show. And if you go to that flower show, then you can also see the new vegetable garden that's just opened. My congratulations to Matthew, Oliver and his staff. They've got some fantastic vegetables there already. And when you think that it was just a builder's site right the way through the winter and well into the spring, and I think some of the paving went down just before it was opened. So uh, it wasn't the easiest job to get sweet corn six feet high and runner beans right up the canes in full flower. So uh, they've done a pretty good job and I think you'll be very interested to see the very wide range of crops they're growing. I'm always interested in the soil. Matthew tells me that uh, he wanted to keep faith with the good old Essex clay that appears in quantity at Idle. And so whilst they have uh, introduced some topsoil with uh, a good composted uh, organic material enrichment, they've also included some of that heavy clay. You know, if you learn to handle clay soils, they're very rich and you get tremendous crops as uh, I think you'll see it hide all if you go. There have been uh, two lots of regional awards announced for the north of England too by the Garden Centre Association. And so our congratulations are sent to Cowles. You may remember we were speaking to uh, Alan earlier this year 
So he's done it again there in amongst the uh, top garden centres. They've won the garden centre of the region. And alongside them in the northeast, there's Tong's garden centre that has won the Destination Garden Centre Award. Over on the other side, at the northwest, then there's Fran Gogh Garden Centre that is the uh, region winner. And Bent's Garden Centre, they're celebrating winning the Destination Garden Centre of the Year. Uh, and of course they're celebrating their 80th anniversary. That's a great way to celebrate. Now when it comes to your own garden, my tree lilies are in full flower. Lots of fragrance coming from them. But do keep your eye out for lily beetle. There's another uh, breeding of those I'm afraid. Uh, and I just spotted several in the nick of time. As soon as the lilies have finished flowering... I think it's worth just spraying that green foliage once with a systemic insecticide. That knocks them out once and for all, and then hopefully you won't have adults overwintering to come up and cause damage next year. Deadhead the tree lilies and all the other lilies by just snapping out the seed pod as the petals fall, but leave the stem and all the leaves as long as they're green to die down naturally, because that will help to build up the bulbs down below. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Today is rather special as far as our guest is concerned. We have one of our leading fruit specialists. In fact, I think... Uh, on his website, he's called Grafter Will, Mr. Will Sibley. You're quite happy to be called Grafter Will, are you? I certainly am, Peter, yes. One day we need to demonstrate to some of our readers and listeners just how we do this grafting and budding. I don't think enough is known about it, do you? Very little is known about it. People find it completely fascinating. And um, it's a skill which is completely unchanged now in 15,000 years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the records of the Chinese, um, or, or the, the populace that we now know as Chinese, inventing it, if you like. Um, and then they held it within Asia for uh, many thousands of years. And then the, uh, it, it made its way, Silk Route, I guess, through to the European civilizations. And the Greeks recorded it very, very accurately about two and a half thousand years B.C., from there, it um, made its way into uh, the Roman Empire, of course, and uh, they, they very busily moved it all across uh, the European continent. Well, the earliest I can tell you was as a child, there was a sucker on a plum tree on my 
grandparents' garden, and I got uh, a sign from Victoria Plum, and uh, a piece, a strip of rag, and a really thick handful of yellow clay, and I made my graft, tied it, I think, with raffia, although I don't really remember, and then put this yellow clay around the graft, held in place with a bit of rag, and... uh, no one could have been more pleased when it actually grew and took, and we grew the tree in our garden for a good many years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the Dark Ages, of course, in um, 12th and 13th century, anybody that practiced grafting was presumed to be a witch. It was witchcraft. So we were burnt at the stake. Oh, crumbs. Well, I'd have to be, <laughs> I'd have to be a wizard, wouldn't I? Not a witch. <laughs> But right up to today, Will, fruit seems to be coming back in popularity in gardens. Yep. Uh, you're right up to date with uh, yes. everything that's coming through in the world of top fruit. If you were to uh, be making recommendations to the average gardener, either to grow in the soil or in containers, can you just run us through some of what's available now? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, historically, we have been rather dependent upon apple, pear and European plum, with some areas also growing cherry. But because of the advances in plant breeding and plant selection, coupled with what does seem to be a warming climate, there are many other options open to us now. And I think that the really exciting areas are tending to be in stone fruit. In particular, those, I think, for the garden are really ideal because they tend to be very expensive to buy in the shops. And the great beauty of stone fruit is it can crop at very, very high levels. You can say that again. I mean, you're the one who persuaded me to grow apricot tomcot. Yes, indeed. Uh, 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 Well, this year, it's had a phenomenal crop. Yep. About 50 pounds, I think, of a small tree. Yes. And everywhere up and down the streets had my apricots, and yep. I brought them in the office. We've made jam, we've made crumbles, yep. all kinds of things. It's a fantastic fruit. Yeah. The um, apricots have been, uh, I mean, it was about 1992, I think, that I first introduced commercial growing of apricot into the UK because there have been some big advances, and the first self-fertile varieties had um, been bred, mostly in uh, North America, really. That really revolutionized uh, apricot growing. And those early varieties of tomcot and flavorcot, which are, are separated by three or four weeks in ripening, prove still to be the leading garden varieties. Absolutely rightly so. Up at Harridge, where, where we have a small farm, um, Harridge in North Essex, um, we we have trees there holding fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred fruits, um, which uh, which is getting up towards the the great Mediterranean crops. The heartland of apricot growing really in Europe is somewhere around the the city of Nîmes in in southern France, and um, there they will regularly have crops of three thousand fruits on a tree. Um, there's, there's trees been holding 100 pounds of fruit. Goodness. Now, how far north do you think we could sensibly grow them then? Oh, well, surprisingly, um, a long way north. 
it's not always a bad thing to think about what we call the white blossom fruits. It's wrong to assume that you can't grow those going north. And um, I have records of uh, and, and, and in, in conversations with people in Scotland and quite a long way north of Scotland who are growing very successful crops of apricot. And would they be looking for a sheltered garden then, perhaps well, on no, a south slope? I, I think that this is, this is perhaps the fallacy that if you are in those areas that tend to be colder, tend to have longer frosts, then really put them out in the open area and make sure they do um, get a full blast of the weather. So the fruit itself will start to develop much more when the temperature rises in that particular area. They'll flower later. Right. Um, now, of course, growing north, of course, you, you're, you have an increased amount of sunlight as the summer goes on. So you, you quickly make up because it's sunlight, really, that uh, makes all these things grow. We're already seeing cherry growing, commercial cherry growing in Scotland. I think that uh, gardeners should try all these things I suppose with regard to the stone fruit, and particularly I would be thinking about peach and apricot, the one thing that could be a problem is heavy rainfall. High rainfall areas tend not to be so successful for stone fruit. And why would that be? They just don't like waterlogging? There's waterlogging in the roots, that would be uh, uh, one thing. But in general terms, they are susceptible to bacterial canker. Right. The... uh, canker spores are spread across the uh, the branches of the tree by rainwater so the drier you can keep them the better we've got the tomcot uh, and the flavor cot in apricots what yep. about cherries what sort of cultivars would you recommend yes there's a good range of self-fertile cultivars out there and the ones that i really like there's the the, the first one stella which is still a very good garden cherry summer sun we like anything with the name Sun in it. You I'm know. sure you do. I'm <laughs> sure you do. Uh, sunburst. Oh, right, there's another one. Right? Uh, so we're doing quite well for you at the moment. Yeah, you are. Keep uh, going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think one of my favourite for the gardener is uh, a, a, a variety called Hartford. How do you spell that? H A R T F O R D. Right. And that, that's a, a really great cherry. It's got a fantastic flavour. It's a very large cherry. And it's not one that you'll see very often in in the shops to buy because it's a fairly soft cherry, which means that um, it doesn't do well being transported the length and breadth of the country in a whopping great articulated lorry. But what it does do beautifully is get up the garden path in a basket. And for us gardeners, that's all it's got to do, really. That rarely rarely fails as a a cropping cherry. There's a range out there that are really good. Make sure they're self-fertile. Okay. It is really important. Well, I certainly will want to give uh, Hartford a trial. But then what about some of the exotic fruits? I mean, things like uh, walnuts, figs. Well, figs, um, we've just planted out the first commercial fig orchard in Great Britain. You're joking. No, up at Harwich. And uh, we'll shortly be planting out the first commercial olive orchard as well. So. You're, you're joking. No, no not at all. Um, as I say, the developments in, in plant breeding are, uh, uh, are, are are really showing the way. And, um, yes, we we have a, a, a very sunny 
and very good climate in that part of England for growing those sorts of things. But they're certainly possible. Figs are a wonderful fruit to grow uh, for the for the gardener. Very simple. Um, you can grow them successfully in in large pots. They make a wonderful wall-trained fruit. So I'm a big fan of figs. I'm a big fan of vines, table grapes. I think there are a couple of varieties of table grape, Bosco Glory and Phoenix. Very, very resistant to mildew, which is key. And both of those varieties are delicious raw. You don't need to do anything with them. They are very, very good table grapes. And the crops are, are just magnificent. We have one here at home on an arbor. We, we use it as a, a sunscreen. In fact, I've just had lunch underneath it. <laughs> uh, and um, all the bunches are hanging down now. They're all formed. They're swelling quickly. They're about the size of a, well, a, about the size of a broad bean at the moment, the fruits, I suppose, something Goodness. like that. Yeah. It shelters us and our conservatory from the raging sun. And we can pick, you know, 100 bunches each year off, off, off each of those two vines. You, um, you paint a marvellous picture in my mind of, of sitting there having lunch with the temperatures up in the 25s in the shade under your own grape, goodness. I do. And, yeah. uh, and the back of me, the, the, so the sun doesn't hit the back of my neck, we've got a lovely fig there which comes into the arbour as well and with its great leaf offers that wonderful shade. You'll be pleased to hear that I picked an apricot off one of the uh, little dwarf trees we've got and, and a peach as well, Avalon Pride peach. Uh, so uh, they, they form part of my lunch today. Well, the Avalon Pride is very useful because it has that resistance to it peach does. leaf curl, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's become the number one variety in the UK, quite rightly so. Exactly, yeah. Um, you will occasionally see curled leaves. People shouldn't be deterred by that. They are only one or two on the tree, and whereas normally peach leaf curl, once it affects the first leaves, then it will reinfect all of the other leaves. That is not the case of Avalon Pride, so you can just pull off those distorted leaves and the new growth comes through beautifully. Well, I was concerned with mine, but then it turned out to be not peach leaf curl, but aphid. Yes, yep. Uh, yep. It's very easy to make that confusion, isn't it? Certainly can be. Yeah. Certainly can be. Now, if you had to give a couple of tips, Will, for people growing, especially in containers, yeah. what do you need to do to be sure you're going to get reasonable growth and crops? Yeah. I think the, the thing to do is to um, make sure you do have a reasonable size reservoir of soil. So I would suggest that you don't really want to f- put fruit into anything less than a 15-litre container. And in actual fact, that's not very big. No, it isn't. You'll, you'll be surprised. You know, I think it. most of my fruit would be in 20 or 25 20, litres. 25s, yeah. they're better. Very good drainage. So a good layer. I live quite near to the seashore, and I always use uh, um, mussel shells and, and scallop shells and all the rest of it on the bottom of ours to add really good drainage. And then the compost itself, soil-based compost with added grit as well to make sure we've got that drainage but it's got to be a compost which has got plenty of go in it so a soil-based compost so john Ennis number three based and i always add 
some uh, grit into that as well. Do you? Yeah. Um, to make sure we've got very good drainage. So the tree itself, well, plant that uh, as you would a, a, a normal tree and also stake it because you can still get um, significant amounts of uh, movement in the tree in the wind in, in a container. So make sure it's staked, especially in those early years. Adequate watering, of course, not overwatering. Far better to underwater than overwater. But I think that the key for growing fruit in pots and containers is the feeding. And you do have to feed them a lot. But I would temper that by saying that in general, people forget all about feeding fruit anyway. Yes, they do. I agree. You know, you, you go to a garden centre or you, you, you buy from a mail order company and uh, you pop the tree in in the winter. And quite honestly, that's the last you remember think about it yeah. until you finally see some fruit on there. These are hungry things. And if, if, you're, if you're wanting it to give it all and give you 50 pounds of apricots, you're going to have to give back to that, that tree in the next couple of months, Peter your tree in your garden so i need to feed now now oh, oh yes yeah. absolutely once that crop is off you should have fed leading up to the crop as well but from now on now's the time to uh, to feed that fruit as soon as it's picked get some feed into that so you're going to start building the fruit bud for next year will that need to be a high potash feed then a tomato food or uh, it'll need a lot of nitrogen in there as well oh, and really? i would have suggested that if you can get um, I think the majority of Grow More uh, style mixes tending to be 20 10, 10 yeah. something like that, then uh, that's what I would be going for. During the rest of this summer and, and the growing conditions, I would be using uh, one of the compound fertilizers. And then during the winter, I'd be putting in an organic fertilizer. Thank goodness we had this interview today. And, and I think if I can worry you in the autumn... We might come back and have a word about apples and pears. <laughs> yeah, well, that would, that would be great. Yeah, it's been most useful, Will. Thank you very much for giving us your time today. It's a pleasure, Peter. My best wishes to all the gardeners and, and uh, in this wonderful weather that we're having this year. I hope they're having splendid crops. I'm going to the uh, Zinnia trial at Wisley. I haven't seen it yet, but they tell me it's absolutely fantastic. Lots and lots of different varieties, all kinds of heights and flower shapes. Of course, zinnias are great things for colour. Uh, I've grown them for years as a cut flower. And, and uh, they tell me ahead of my visit that uh, several of the cultivars have failed because they don't take kindly to transplanting. And that's certainly true. What I don't understand is why the people at Wisley didn't sow the seed direct. I always sow the seed in uh, mid-May and thin the seedlings out. And then you don't have that problem with transplanting. So uh, I may ask one or two searching questions when I get on that uh, trials panel. Uh, but if you're anywhere near Chelmsford in Essex and driving along the Roxhall Road, there's a farmer there who'd, who's got a patch of cut flowers, uh, you know, plants grown for cut flower. Big, big beds of uh, sunflowers, but alongside the sunflowers, he's got zinnias. So if you want to see how good they are for cut flowers, then uh, just stop off and get a bunch or two really bright psychedelic colours there. Roxhall Road, Chelmsford for cut flower zinnias.
Thanks again to our sponsors, Mr. Fothergill's Seeds. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.